Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Churches podcast, where we are committed to building irresistible bridges between the unchurched and Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Joy to be with you today. For those of you that are joining us from home, special hello to you as well. We're so glad that you're here. Last Sunday, if I could give me a moment, last Sunday was an incredible day. Um, spent the, you know, services together. Um, and after one of the services, I went out, to, out into the lobby as I always do and started interacting with people as I always do, saying hello, handshakes, high fives, good to see you, hugs, all those kinds of things. Meeting some new people week after week, just like after our first service this morning. Met some people who are new with us and found our church uh, actually from a Google review. Those actually matter for those of you that have done it. If you're not going to give us a five star, don't bother. But if you are, um, huge help. And love that. And so somebody was like, they moved to the area, Google churches, found the bridge, came and checked it out. And they were just, you know, in love with it and, and just had a great time with us. And so that was really cool. Um, but last Sunday, I was out in the lobby mingling, saying hi to a few people, again, doing the handshakes, the high fives, all that stuff. And someone said, hey, could, could we talk to you for a second? I said, sure. So we, we stepped aside, just, you know, to kind of a private moment. And, and uh, this person came up to me and they said, hey, you know, we started talking, small talk and how you doing, things are good and all that kind of stuff. And they said, we love this church. And they handed me an envelope. I said, we love this church. We're so thankful to be a part of it. And then they said, and we believe that God is doing something here. And I agreed with them. I said, I agree with you wholeheartedly. God is doing something here. Something, something is happening in our midst. Something is happening in our community. Something is happening as we gather and go together. I really believe that with my heart as well. And so we talked a little bit about that, then a little more small talk, and then we went our separate ways. And I started to walk down the Bridge Kids link uh, down there. And, and I love going down there every week. But last Sunday was really interesting because I found a lot of parents that were really emotional because they were picking up their kids and they were like, this is beginning March break. And uh, you sure we can't leave them for just, no, I'm just kidding. But there was a lot of emotion, a lot of buzz. Lot, there's always a lot of energy down there in that end of the building. And I love that and seeing the kids coming out and they were all excited. And part of the reason I went in there, I do this every week. Part of the reason I went in there was just to see, you know, meet people and say hi to people and high five kids and all that. But there was something in particular that I wanted to see. You see, believe it or not, I don't know if you know this, but what happens down the hall in Bridge Kids is not Christian babysitting. I think sometimes that's a misnomer that people have. They think of children's ministry as just babysitting while you know, adults can go to big church. But that's really not what it is. It's so much more than that. That there are people like you and I right now who are stepping into the lives of our children week after week and are ministering to them and caring for them and connecting with them in real ways. And Lisa, my wife, who oversees Bridge Kids, she was telling me that they've begun something new in the Bridge Kids Theater, which is our grade one through five age bracket room. And she was saying, we've started this prayer wall. And week after week, the children are gathering together and they're sharing with each other the things that are weighing on their hearts, the things that are in their minds that they're praying about. And together they share these things and then they put these notes up on the wall and they don't pray about these things, they pray for one another. Can you imagine if we did that? No, that's crazy. We're not going to do that. We're not going to share what's really going on in our lives and what's really going on in our hearts, but these kids are. In fact, all of these notes are precious. And as I read them and as I began praying with them, there was one that caught my eye. This child shared with the kids in her circle, I'm scared to move. Imagine how vulnerable you have to be as a child to be aware of that, but then also to share that with people. And as children, they gathered together and they prayed for this child and together they care. And do you think that they t- 
talk about that later. How you doing? Are you okay? And just beautiful to see that week after week after week after week. What a joy. In that same room later last week on Sunday, um, we moved from children and then adults, young adults, you know, young adults in college, young adults that are beginning their careers, they gathered together in the same room and they broke bread together and they shared in connection and community together. And I love seeing this happening in our church where there are people in adulthood, young adulthood, who are finding meaning and value and community in the church. And this group is growing and growing and growing. And I love seeing this. I love the fact that I didn't belong. I still feel like a child, still act like one in most ways, but I was like, man, I don't fit in here, and, but I love that this is happening here. So after I stole a piece of bread and left the room, I was really excited about that, and then I walked back out into the cafe area, and I found a number of senior adults who had moved some of the cafe tables together, and they were sitting around them, and they were just talking and laughing and hanging out together, and I thought, this is incredible. Like in this wing, you've got people of all ages and all stages and they're gathering together and finding, connect. like there was just a buzz, there was just an energy. And as I was walking back up to my office, I was getting ready to gather some things to head home. I got a text message from my friend Vic who lives in Colorado and he texted me to tell me, hey, amazing things are happening today down in Kenya. My friend Vic, uh, he, he runs and owns uh, an organization called Encouragement Incorporated, and we've been supporting that ministry on the ground in Kenya, Africa, where there is an orphanage there where 38 beautiful children who have been orphaned have found a family and have found a home. And because of you, we're able to encourage the folks of what they are doing, and more importantly, what God is doing in their midst. And the amazing thing is last Sunday, as we gathered together, those 38 children took the food that you sent to them and they actually used it to feed the friends that they have in their community. Over 300 children gathered on the grounds of the orphanage in Kenya, and they were fed by these beautiful children. They shared who Jesus was. They prayed over all of these kids, and then they played together on the playground that you helped build a few years ago during the pandemic. And I thought as I looked at that, how beautiful is that? That all across the areas in which the bridge is trying to make a difference, God, and more importantly than anything, God, you are doing something. God, you are doing something in and through this church. And thank you, God, for giving me an opportunity to be a part of it. But then I remembered before I left that, oh yeah, I got an envelope in my pocket. I took it out and I opened it up. And inside that envelope was a check for $50,000. Now, what you need to know is that our monthly need as a church is $80,000. That's just to keep the lights on to maintain status quo. And currently, as of right now, we're not making and meeting that need as a church. And so while this check was you know, very much appreciative, appreciated, and while it certainly is a shot in the arm, and it certainly helps the bottom line, I have to be honest and tell you that whether that check was written for $50 or $50,000, Standing with that couple and hearing them say, we believe that God is doing something here, that God is doing something special, and we're thankful to be a part of it. Hearing those words, the words that I feel, the words that I believe echoed in someone else, and by someone else, that was more valuable to me than any check that could ever be written. But $50,000 is $50,000. And after the shock of opening that envelope wore off, I started to reflect for a few moments. After I made sure that the check wasn't made out to me or made out to cash, um, I, I spent a little bit of time reflecting. 
And my immediate thought was, wouldn't it be nice to be able to write a check like that? That was my first thought. And then my second thought was, and I'm embarrassed to admit that this was my second thought, but if you already thought it, then I don't feel so bad. But I thought, how much money do you have to have to be able to write a check like that. And no sooner did those words, did I hear those words said by my own voice in my own head, no sooner did I say those words than I heard the whisper of God in my soul say, Scott, you're missing it. The question isn't how much money do you have to have to be able to write a check like that? The question, Scott, the question that you need to answer is, do you have it in your heart to write a check like that if you had the means to write a check like that? That's the question. See, what God reminded me of in that moment is what this series is all about. The issue in that moment of reflection was not a financial one. The issue in that moment of reflection was an issue of my heart. And that's what this series is all about. What we've been talking about for the last number of weeks is being lost financially isn't an issue of debt. It's an issue of the heart. Whether you have a lot, whether you have a little in the account isn't the issue. What's in your heart is. And when it comes to finances, all of us have gone left for one reason or another. We go left because it feels right, because it looks right, because it's financial advice sounds right. And for many of us, if not all of us, because we've gone left financially, find ourselves in positions where we aren't or where we can't do what's right financially. We can't do what we want to do. We can't do what we ought to do. And that leaves us feeling lost not as to what we have or as to where we are, but lost as to knowing who we are. Lost as to knowing whose we are. And in this context, the opposite of being lost isn't being found. The opposite of being lost is recognizing where we are and having a plan to get where we need to and where we want to be. That's the opposite of lost. And and for many of us, we find ourselves, again, lost for so many different reasons in life. There are things that we see, there are things we want, and there are things that we hope for. And I get all that. But one of the things that we need to do, one of the best things that we can do to figure out where we are and take the first step to getting where we need to be, the first thing to do is to ask ourselves a question. It's a simple question, but my guess is, if you're anything like me, the minute you hear this question, you're going to think that it doesn't apply to you. But I assure you it does, regardless of your current financial position. And the question is this. The question that we need to ask ourselves from time to time is, why do I have so much? Now, I realize none of us have how much we want, right? There's stuff that we want, and we don't have that. I get that, but for just a moment to allow this question to do its work in your heart and mind the way I believe it can, I want you to focus. I want you to turn your focus away from potential possessions and income, and I want you to focus on your actual possessions and income. Because if you do, if you can do that in your mind for just a moment, I think you'll quickly realize that it's likely, chances are, you have more in your possession. You actually possess more than your parents did at this same age in their lives. Chances are you actually possess more than most people in the world can lay claim to. So ask yourself, why me? Why do I have so much? Why do I have more than I need? And see, the reason I think we need to slow down from time to time and ask ourselves this sobering question is because we live in a culture that keeps us laser focused on what we don't have. And let's be honest, we've all gone left because it feels right. And it feels right to chase after what we don't have. And while that's profitable and beneficial to companies, isn't it true that it's not really that profitable and beneficial to us? 
In fact, focusing on what we don't have, it can make our hearts vulnerable to greed. When you and I, when we focus on those things we don't have, it can make our hearts vulnerable and susceptible to greed. Why? Because as long as I'm on this quest for more, anytime more comes along or comes my way, I instantly assume it's for me. That's an assumption we've all made at different ages and stages of our lives. And that assumption, like all assumptions, like we talked about last week, assumptions drive our behaviors. For all of us, we can quickly and easily get to the place in our lives where our assumptions are what is driving our behaviors, not our beliefs. That you could actually be in a stage in your life when your assumptions are what's driving your behaviors, not your beliefs. And that's why I believe that Jesus spoke as much about money as he did. As I've said throughout this series, Jesus spoke more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. For him, this was a huge issue. And I think the reason it was such a huge issue for him wasn't that he was trying to get money from us, is that he was trying to keep money from getting us. That's why I believe Jesus spoke so much about it. And that's why I continue to say, you can't follow Jesus and remain lost financially. You can follow Jesus and be lost financially, but you can't follow Jesus and remain lost financially. He just said too much about it. And being lost is not an issue of debt. It's an issue of the heart. We can't continue to live under the assumptions we make about money. We can't continue to live with this disconnect that says that what I have belongs to me and is for my benefit. The tension that every single one of us in this room and every single person on the other side of that camera has to come to terms with is this, how you handle money is a spiritual issue. How you and I, how we handle money is a spiritual issue. And that's true whether we like it or not. It's true whether we believe it or not. And this becomes clearer and clearer the more we listen to and watch Jesus. Last week, we looked at a challenging story that Jesus told. And one of the things I love, I love many things about Jesus, but one of the things that I love about Jesus is that he continually told stories to communicate truth. Jesus was a master storyteller and he continually leveraged the art and the power of story to help people see that which they could not see, to give people perspective that they did not possess. Now, as you may know, you probably already know this, but Jesus performed many miracles. He fed and healed so many people that word of who he was and what he could do, it was spreading like wildfire all across Syria and Israel. And people were coming from far and wide just to get a piece of the action. One day, Jesus was surrounded by what the gospel writer Luke tells us was thousands and thousands and thousands of people. There were so many people around Jesus that Luke tells us they were literally they were literally stepping on each other. Can you imagine? That's how big a rock star Jesus was in his day. There were thousands and thousands of people stepping on each other, just trying to get close enough to Jesus, just close enough that they might get a piece of what he could do. So in this moment, Jesus is teaching the crowd. This is what he always did. They weren't necessarily there to hear him. They were actually more there to see what he would do and to see what they could get from him probably. But in the midst of this, Jesus was teaching and he was talking to them about hypocrisy. This idea that you could say one thing and live another. And in the midst of this powerful and profound teaching, someone in the crowd, a man in the crowd, get this, someone called from the crowd. Someone had the gall. Can you believe this? Someone actually had the gall 
to interrupt Jesus. That's pretty bold if you ask me. But someone did that. Someone interrupted Jesus. And here's what he said. Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. So again, when you study the scriptures, as you read the scriptures for yourself, as I would encourage you to do, one of the best things that you can do, in my opinion, is to put yourself in this scene. If you've heard me talk many times before, you've heard me say this over and over and over again, then this is what I do. I try to put myself in the story. I try to put myself in the moment. What is it that I see? What is it that I hear? What type kind of, what kind of, you know, smells do I smell? What sounds do I hear? Is it a hot day? Is it a cool, breezy day? What's going on? What time of the day is it? I try to put myself in the scene. And when you do this, as you're surrounded by this crowd of people, thousands of people that are trying to get close to Jesus, you hear all kinds of things. Heal my daughter. Help me with this. Help me with that. God do this. All these things are being said. And out of the chaos and out of the noise, Jesus hears this man say, tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus responds, and here's what he said. Friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? This is what Jesus of Nazareth said. Now, if he was Jesus from New Brunswick, like I am, he would, no, I'm Jesus, but I'm from New Brunswick. He would have said, trample off you hoser, okay? This is basically the Jesus nice way of saying, leave me alone. What is your problem? Don't interrupt me. Like, know your role. Slow down. Like, this is, this is like, what are you doing? I'm doing my thing here. Don't interrupt. Like, this is, Jesus is so polite. But he's basically saying, who do you think you are? And what is it you think you're doing to interrupt me for something as insignificant and unimportant as this? That's what Jesus said. And my thought is, is that he said that he was probably thinking in his mind that he was just going to ignore this interruption. But as he took a few steps away from this man, it probably, it must have dawned on Jesus that this interruption was actually an opportunity. This interruption was actually an opportunity to speak to an assumption that this man was making for certain. But I think the reason Jesus stops is because he realizes it's not just this man who has made this assumption. There are others in the crowd who have made an assumption. And so he sees this moment, this interruption as an opportunity to speak to that. And that's exactly what he did. Jesus said, beware, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Guard your heart. This man was thinking he was outing his brother. He was challenging his brother for being greedy. And in turn, Jesus challenges this man, the one who didn't get his fair share. He calls him greedy for coveting what his brother had. Now put yourself in the sandals of this guy that called and questioned Jesus in the crowd. He's probably coming there thinking he's gonna get Jesus to be his ally. And instead, Jesus challenges him and calls him out in the crowd. And he says, beware. He's probably pointing to this guy and pointing to him, but saying, beware of this kind of greed. This, what this man is doing, what this man is saying, this is greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Jesus points to this man. He probably singles him out in the crowd, but he's speaking to the crowd and he's saying, guard your heart against every kind of greed. Guard against the assumption that life extras are for our consumption. And let's be honest, regardless of how old you are, regardless of how much you have, every single one of us have made this assumption at some point in our lives, haven't we? That the extra that has come our way, however small, however much, it's for my benefit, it's for my pleasure. It's for my 
consumption. We've all done that. And Jesus was speaking to this in the crowd because this assumption, this attitude, it's more than finances. It's about our heart. And our heart can quickly get wrapped up in the things that we believe are ours. And Jesus says, guard your heart against this kind of greed. Guard your heart against this assumption. And if this is getting uncomfortable, believe me, I get it. I get it. I've been there. I've made that assumption many, many, many times in my life. And I'm guessing that you have too. It's really easy to get to the point in life where we begin to assume certain things about finances. And when things come our way and when things go our way, we assume they're for us. But I want you to consider this as uncomfortable as this is. At the times in your life when you didn't have enough, did you hesitate to question God? Chances are you didn't hesitate at all, did you? See, in moments where we don't have enough, it, 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 we can't help ourselves to doubt and to question God. But my question is, why don't we question God when we have more? Why is it that we're okay with? Why is it we never doubt and question when we have more? And why is it we immediately assume when we have more? It's for us. See, this isn't an issue of finances, is it? If you're honest with yourself, it's really an issue of the heart. And that is what Jesus was speaking to. This man brought up a financial situation and Jesus spoke to the heart of the situation. And see, if you and I aren't careful, if you and I aren't careful, we can quickly and easily begin to view the blessings and the abundance in our lives. as meant for us. And we can very quickly and very easily confuse needs and wants. Maybe you can't do that. Maybe you're much wiser. Maybe you're much better steward than I am. You don't get confused. You don't ever confuse needs and wants. But if you're anything like me, if you were honest enough to admit you're anything like me, it's really easy to confuse those two, isn't it? I mean, think about it. How many times have you started a sentence with, I need, and then finished that same sentence with something that isn't really a need, especially a need for living? Have you ever done that? Isn't that true? Isn't it so easy? We can so quickly do that. But people who are really in need, people who don't have much, people who have little, finish I need sentences very differently than those who have extra. And see, living life requires that I get what I need. But when I confuse those two, I'm lost. And see, the danger is when I confuse needs and wants, when I confuse those two, every extra dollar that comes in is immediately spent because wants are never satisfied. Needs can be, but not wants. And I, if I'm not careful, you, if you're not careful, we can create a lifestyle that consumes every extra dollar to the point where every dollar feels like a need. If I'm not making sense, just to help make sure you get this, this is important. You can, you can get your, uh, your mortgage payments so high that you can make $200,000 a year and need every penny to survive. But that's artificial. You might need it, but it didn't need to be that way. You created it, right? You can run your credit card so high that you need every penny, but it's artificial. Yes, you need it, but it didn't need to be that way. You created it. And this is not a financial issue. This is an issue 
of our hearts. And that's why Jesus stopped and spoke to the crowd because he saw it, not just in this man, but probably multiple people, if not all the people in the crowd. Jesus saw what nobody else could see. So he told them a story to help them see it in themselves. And my hope and my prayer is that as we look at this story quickly, maybe, just maybe, if you're anything like me, you'll begin to see something in yourself. Here's what Jesus said. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. This man had a fertile farm and it produced fine crops, meaning he's rich. And he's not just rich, he is so rich, he has extra. And not just extra, he has so much that he said to himself, what should I do? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to have so much that you thought, what should I do with all this? I don't have room for all my crops. Now, in an agricultural society that this man was in, he understood, or he should have understood, people in this kind of culture would immediately assume that the abundance of the harvest that came his way had less to do with him than it did luck and blessing. I grew up in a farming town and farmers, they live, they have this understanding that they are constantly, that there are factors that are outside of their control. Farmers understand this, but greedy people, Greedy men and women don't see the world that way. What they see, everything that comes their way, comes their way because they earned it. And because this man earned it, and because this man owned it, he didn't see that there were factors that were part of it that were not, had nothing to do with him, that it was God who made it rain, that it was God who made the soil, that it was God who made like, no, 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 I earned this. And because he earned it and because he owned it, he failed to see. It never dawned on him that the abundance that he was experiencing may not have been for his personal possession or consumption. This man has a problem and the problem he has in this moment in this story is the same problem that I had last week. He's asking himself the wrong question. He's asking himself, oh, what am I gonna do with all of my crops and all my blessing and all my abundance? What am I gonna do with this? That's the question that he asks. And he goes left because it feels right. And this is what it sounds like. He said, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tear down my barns and I'm gonna build bigger ones. I've got so much money, I can tear down everything I have and build something new and something bigger. That's how good things are for me. And then I'll have room. I'm gonna have so much room, enough to store all my wheat and all my other goods. And he says, I'm gonna sit back. I love this. I'm gonna sit back and say to myself, my friend, you've stored enough away for years to come. And then this is the thing. And I don't know if you've ever said this. Maybe you have. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and marry. Be merry. Someday I'm going to throw my feet up. I'm going to eat a good steak and I'm going to think, look at me, look what I did. Look at this. I was so responsible. I was so, I saved so carefully. I was so wise. I was so smart. Now I'm going to live the good life. And if that's where the story ends, man, we'd consider this guy a role model, wouldn't we? We'd be listening to his podcast. Let me understand your tips for financial success. Like this guy's clearly got it all together. He's so wise. He's such a good steward. He's so wise financially. He's so responsible. He's got such business acumen. He's the model. He's the dream. We would look at this man. Most of us, if not all of us, would be envious of this guy if we knew him. We'd look at him and we would say, that's the goal. That's the dream. And Jesus looked at him and he said, you fool. We would consider this guy a success. 
And God looks at him and says, you are a fool. Why? Not because he's rich, but for not knowing why he's rich. Not for having extra, but for thinking that the extra was for him. We would consider this man a success. And God looked at the same man and said, you are a fool. Now remember, Jesus is telling this story, like all the stories he told. Jesus is telling this story on purpose for a purpose. He's trying to help the people listening see something they can't see. God said, you fool, you will die this very night. See, you are a fool. You thought that money ensured time, but you're gonna lose your life tonight and you're gonna leave behind all of your money tonight. And then when that happens, then who's gonna get everything that you worked so hard for? Jesus asked this guy a sobering question. When you die tonight, because you are gonna die tonight, who's gonna get everything that you prepared for yourself? You already know the answer, don't you? Somebody else, right? Who's gonna get everything that you work so hard for? Somebody else, this man, all of his possessions, everything that he's worked so hard for, it is gonna be distributed to other people, not because he's generous, but because he's dead. How tragic is that? How ironic is that? How foolish is that? And see, this isn't a financial issue, is it? This is a heart issue. This man failed to see how dependent, how completely dependent he was and should have been and seen on God. He was completely dependent on God for his allotment of time but he failed to see that he was equally as fully dependent on God for his allotment of stuff. And again, this is not a financial issue. This is an issue of the heart. This is an issue of the heart. This is why Jesus paused in the midst of the crowd. This is why Jesus told the story he told. And then he gives us the moral of the story. He says, this is how it will be. This is how it will be with whoever, whoever, whoever. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. This is it. This is the issue. This is the tension that every single one of us has to come to terms with as we follow Jesus. Jesus is speaking to the difference between building and living for your own kingdom or building and living for the kingdom of God. Your heart will beat for one at the expense of the other. Notice the contrast between storing up for themselves and being rich towards God. Jesus saying, you can't follow Jesus and live with this disconnect. You can't follow Jesus and remain lost financially because if you do, you will end up like this man. You will end up like this man, lost. And his being lost was not an issue of finances. He's rich. It's not an issue of finances. It's an issue of his heart. It's not what he had in his barn. It's what he didn't have in his heart. And Jesus is saying, this is the issue. This is what's really driving the question you're asking, buddy. This is really what I see as I look out in this crowd. Do we see it in ourselves? This is an issue of the heart and we can't live with this disconnect that says that what I have belongs to me and is for my benefit and my pleasure. His kingdom 
or yours. You will live for one. Your heart will beat for one at the expense of the other. This is what Jesus said. This is how it will be. This is how it will be. This is how it will be. That's the moral of the story. And there we get Jesus's definition of greed. A greedy person is one who saves carefully, but gives sparingly. A greedy person is the man or the woman who saves carefully, but gives sparingly. And we would say, that's not greed. I'm responsible. I'm careful. I'm being safe. No, Jesus would say, you can massage it. You can mask it any way you want, but I see it for what it is. It's an issue in and with your heart. A person who is greedy is the person. It's the person who assumes that the abundance, the extra that comes our way is primarily for our personal consumption. Now I wanna go back to something that Jesus said as he shared the moral of the story. This is what Jesus said. Let's look at it again. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. That's what Jesus said. And the more I read that over this week, I read it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I read multiple translations. And the more I read it, the more one word stuck out to me. Jesus said, this. And I wonder, what is this? Jesus said, this is how it will be. This is how it's gonna be. This is what will be. What is this? Is this death? Jesus said, this guy, you're gonna die this very night. Is this death? Death is how it will be? No. I spent some time, I started researching. I started reading the original text. And the more I studied, the more I read it, this actually means total loss. This rich landowner suffered a total loss loss at death, a total loss, a complete loss. He lost everything in this life and he had nothing to show for it in the next. It was a complete and total loss. He didn't just lose his life. He lost everything that he considered to be life. He lost everything he was living for. And Jesus said, you're a fool. You are a fool. And the saddest thing about that is he's a fool that most of us, if not all of us, would envy had we known him. He is a fool that most of us, if not all of us, are tempted and have the tendency to try to emulate. He is the goal. He is the dream. Jesus said he is a fool. He is lost and he couldn't even see it until there was nothing he could do about it. Jesus was interrupted with a financial question and he used it as an opportunity to speak to the heart of the issue. And he tried to help that crowd see the very same thing your mom and mine tried to teach us when we were young. Do you remember what your mom said to you when you were little and you had two cookies and your brother had none? Do you remember that? If you're anything like my mom, she said, quick, eat them before he can wrench one out of your greedy little hands. That's not what my mom said. My mom was a good mom and she would get down and she would say, share with your brother or I'll make you wish you had. No, she didn't say that. Um, but, but she would say, share, right? Because there's something wrong. When you see someone eating two cookies in the presence of someone who doesn't have any, that just seems off, right? There's something in us that feels compelled to say something or do something. Imagine being God 
Imagine being able to see everyone in the world who has two cookies and at the very same time being able to see everyone in the world who has none. Imagine being God and being able to see at the very same time, everyone in this room who has two cookies, every single person at home who has two cookies, and at the very same time, seeing everybody in the room who has none. What do you think God would have to say about that? Share. And your mother and mine, our heavenly father knows that in that moment, the issue is not an issue of cookies, is it? It's not an issue of money, is it? What your mom and mine know, what our heavenly father knows is it is an issue. Our sharing is an issue of our hearts. It's not a practical issue. It's a heart issue. And as we begin to see life and the things in the arenas of life, as we begin to see those things as God sees them, it's then that we will establish and live by his priorities. And that is what will help us sort this out and keep us from getting lost. Don't get me wrong. What I don't want you to walk away is me saying that saving for the future and trying to be responsible and trying to you know, create a good life for yourself, that's bad and that you can't be a Christian and like have it good. It's not what I'm saying. Getting ahead is a great pursuit. Getting ahead is a proper pursuit once after you have given generously. It's a proper pursuit. It is a great pursuit to get ahead. It absolutely is. And that's why if you've been around, you've heard me say this, you've heard others say this, getting ahead, it's great. And that's why you should give first, save second, and live on the rest. Give first, save second, live on the rest. And if you're wondering, well, how far ahead is ahead enough? That's a great question. And to be quite honest, I'm not a financial planner. There are people who are way smarter, way better at that, way more successful at that. I'm not that guy. I'm really not. And I don't even pretend to be not even sure I want to be. There are so many people, even in this church, who are so gifted in that way and they see the world in black and white and dollars and cents and I'm incredibly amazed by what they can do and the way they can see finances and the way they can sort it all out. But here's the priority I know that as I read the scriptures is what will keep our hearts close to his and keep our hearts from getting lost somewhere along the way. It is you give generously first. And from there, you figure out how far is ahead enough. You get that order reversed. And I promise you in some way, shape or form, you will go left because it feels right. And in the end, you will get lost regardless of how much money you make or how much money you have. Jesus started this story by saying, life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured by how much you own. And we know this, right? We know this, but how often do we feel that way? How often do we think that way? How often do we actually live that way? See, that is the real issue. And that is the issue in our hearts that Jesus was speaking to. That's the issue he saw in the crowd. And that's why Jesus told the story he told. Life is not measured by how much you own. And you know that. You know how I know you know that? Because you've never visited someone in the hospital who's dying from a lack of possessions, have you? You've never done it. And you never will. Even if they need money for medicine, it's not the money they need, is it? Maybe life really isn't measured by how much you own. Maybe, just maybe, life is found in something else. 
Maybe, just maybe, life is found in something more. After all, isn't that what Jesus was known for? Isn't that why you're here? Isn't that why we sing? Isn't that who, who we sing about? A Jesus whose life was defined not by, he, by what he acquired, by what he gave up. And if our pursuit is to live like him and to follow his example and to be like him, wouldn't it make sense that we would actually live like he did? Maybe life isn't measured by how much you have. It's not bad to accumulate wealth. It's not bad to be successful and to live life and to win at the game. But if you continue to live as that is your pursuit, you're lost. And in the end, you're gonna lose it all anyway. So maybe actually life is found in something else. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus is trying to show us what that is. My hope and prayer for you, honestly, my hope and prayer for you is that God will bless you with extra treasure. But beyond that prayer, my real prayer for you is that we will remember why when that time comes. If you have extra if God has blessed you, if you find yourself in a season of plenty, it's not just for you. It's for you to step in and be the answer to someone's prayer. How amazing would that be? How amazing would that be? Maybe, just maybe, life is more than what we've made it. And maybe, just maybe, life is more than what we have in an account. Maybe, just maybe, it's in our heart. And maybe, just maybe, that's why Jesus spoke to the heart of the issue. We can't all do the same things financially, but we can all have the same heart financially. And that, that is what Jesus is most concerned with. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to gather in this way and in this space and in this place today. I thank you that there are those not in the room with us, but those at home that are watching and we're connecting in this way, looking at life, looking at the story that Jesus told. And God, I know that right now there are walls up, there are pushbacks, there are yeah, buts and all those kind of things because man, the moment we talk about money and faith, we don't want the two to connect. And I'm sure like in that crowd, there are people that were willing for, for your son to feed them, but he, they didn't want to hear about what they had to do to feed other people. There were people that wanted to be healed, but didn't want you to touch their pockets. And God, I know that's true for many of us in this room, that there are so many of us that are so tethered and cling so tightly to things we're going to let go of anyway. But yet it's a real tension and it's a real struggle. And I know it is for me too. And God, I just pray that as we talk and as we go together as a community, as we continue to talk about the things in life that are real, the things in life that we tend to put our trust in, God, I pray that you would continue to bring us to that place where there is a fork in the road and we are gonna have to decide. We're gonna have to make decisions, real life decisions as to whose kingdom we're gonna live for. And what does that mean as a result? So I pray you continue, continue to use your word to bring us to those places of tension. And God, may you speak to us in those places and help us to see you in those places and help us to get to the place in our hearts where we would surrender to you in those spaces. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. 
you have any questions, you're looking for ways to take your next step, please visit us on our website, bridgechurches.ca. Much love. God bless.